Um, I'm just glad I'm not stuck on the side of the road. I'm glad I made it off the road. I was like, I just got to get off the highway. Because you know it's like what it's like being stuck on the highway like that. It's so scary. No. And I was like, the exit's like a half a mile away. I can do it. I can do it. So maybe the rim is messed up, but that's okay. I'd rather have to pay for it than like be dead on the side of the road. Oh my God. As we sit here telling stories till it's quarter after three. Details are so gory, but that's how this book. What's up, everybody? My name is John Kim Fay, and you're listening to Talking at the Diner, the show where musicians and creatives tell me their stories, sometimes needing a few minutes to let the adrenaline rush subside after hitting a gigantic pothole on Route 476 and barely making it off the highway to the relative safety of a parking lot next to a hair salon. (laughs) Well, friends, it was bound to happen. This is officially the first episode of this podcast where our guest got a flat tire on the way to the diner. It it, it happens. It doesn't happen to everybody. It just, it's happened to have happened (laughs) to my guest today, Melissa Manego, who, in all honesty, was no worse for the wear uh, once she settled down and we met up at the Springfield Diner um, in the heart of Delco. <laughs> so it turns out that Melissa and I kind of go way back. We met roughly 15 years ago when she was a music industry student at Drexel University, and I was her songwriting professor. Um, and even then, sitting in the back row with her eventual bandmate, Chris Kissel, by her side... Um, Melissa's songwriting and vocal talent was truly impressive, so much so that when I left that job in 2020, the first person I thought of to recommend to take over was Melissa Manego. And guess who the current songwriting professor at Drexel University is? Ha <laughs> ha! But I'm getting ahead of myself. In the 2010s, Melissa formed June Divided, which is a killer rock band that she still fronts today. And if you don't know June Divided, they sound like this. If I could, you know I would. You know I keep my space. If I could, you know I would. I'd run like airs Melissa is also a solo artist, and she has a brand new record coming out in 2023 that leans more uh, sad girl, as she puts it. And it's that more introspective sound that informs a very special holiday duet she wrote this year called I Never Liked the Holidays Before I Met You. And guess who the lucky bastard is who got the call to sing this song with her? That's right. Me, baby, me! (laughs) Well, we're dedicating it to uh, everyone who might sometimes lean a little grinchy, but has found that special something or someone to make them appreciate the holidays more than they ever did. I never liked the holidays before I met you. I never did the holidays like I now do. All my winters were blue until the day I met you. It was a season for glue, but you put me in the round. 
So let's get right to this conversation between two music lifers who grew up in the state of Delaware, had uh, the same vocal coach. Um, Jerry Smith taught me in the early 90s and taught Melissa probably uh, at least a decade later, I would think. And um, there's just lots of cool common threads that we discover. Uh, so let's let's listen in. This is me and Melissa Manego right here on Talking at the Diner. Everything is on the table when you're talking at the diner. I'm so sorry that all happened. A very similar thing happened to me. My car was like three months old, and there was a pothole on Cotman Avenue in Northeast Philly. That's where I'm from, I know. And I probably know that pothole. And you know what? You probably do know that pothole because it's been there for so long, and every time I just forget it's there. Like, I literally hit it every single time, Mm -hmm. and it did. Mess, you mess up. up my rim. Oh God! And I had to. I had. I was like, Jesus Christ! This car is only like three months old. We can beat you. So in 2019, my husband and I were in three accidents in one week, and none of them were our fault. None of them what? were our fault. We had no control. The first one, like collectively, the first one was him. He was coming back from Temple, and they took someone tried to steal his wheel, but they didn't get it all the way off. So as he was driving, the wheel fell off. So then there was that. The next day, we took my car somewhere, and someone ran a red and hit the back of my car. And then he got his car back, and then he parked his car at work, and somebody hit him from behind, and his head went into the windshield and got concussion. In a week. This is all in in one week? In one week. Jesus Christ. This is last year? This is 2019. This is before the world went to shit. (laughs) That was the harbinger of the pandemic, it sounds like. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well. Good. We're cool. So right. we're, we can still be in the holiday spirit. It's okay. Right. Don't I'm let safe. This. <laughs> it's just a wheel. It's just a rim. Right. It's just things. But you drove on it for how long? Pull over. Well, I think I realized it was out like maybe like a half a mile after it. Like, and then That's I kept nuts. driving. No, it's probably not good, but it's okay. Can I have the drink? I'll just have a water. Coffee and water, please. Thanks. I would love a coffee, but I'm already so shaky from well, getting the pothole. I'm like, oh my god. Right. <laughs> you need the anti. I need the anti coffee. Yeah. I'm, oh god. Less get all get all that <sighs> energy yeah. out, you know. And there's lots to talk about. Yeah. Lots to talk about. <laughs> now you work not far from here, right? Yes. Like so. Yes, I did. Thank you. So it's like the let there be rock. Leather Beer Rock School, yeah. yeah. So you've been there a while, right? I have. It just kind of works into my schedule and, like, with the other stuff that I do. And the environment's really cool. I really like it there. And, like, the kids and the parents are super... Never really had an issue with anyone. Right. So it's just, like, a good vibe. So... Yeah. And do you do, like, vocal instruction? Or what do you... I do a lot. You do? Yeah. I do. Um, yeah, I do everything. I teach voice there. I run a songwriting camp there in oh, the summer. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, um, I have a couple, I have some piano students, some, thank you, some ukulele students and like beginner guitar oh, so you, stuff. You are. I do a lot. 
Yeah. Just whatever you can do, you do. Whatever, yeah, I mean, whatever I can teach. Like, I'm not going to teach, like, complex lead guitar stuff, but singer-songwritery stuff, yeah. like, people that want to, like, get better at, like, singing and playing or finger-picking, they come to me and stuff like that. Nice. So, like, well, I have some awesome singer-songwriting um, writers as students, too. And they have a cool adult program, too, there. They have, like, a whole, like, adult thing, like, Sundays... There's a lot of parents of the kids, or like kids who have graduated and they want to come back and just like play with people. Nice. And they like all show up and they get in little bands and they like have their shows next week, actually. That's really cool. That's yeah, really cool. Yeah, I, lo- I love teaching, honestly. How uh, has Drexel treated you so far? Good. I'm going I'm back. Dying to, You're dying the, to the get the details. To the details. <laughs> um, good. I am. They have me back for winter semester. There's one songwriting class for winter yep. semester. Some private students. Nice. Um, and we keep going. I guess it's very different than teaching private lessons. <laughs> yes. Do tell. <laughs> I mean, like you know, with a private student, if somebody and I never have this issue with most of my students, but once in a blue moon, if you have. Because I also have private students outside the school that I teach up by me, which is really far. Like, the school's down here. I'm up in the Northeast. So, if I have a student that doesn't fit or maybe has an attitude, it never happens. But on the few occasions, I can just say, look, this isn't working out. We're liking... If you're a college professor, you can't just say you can't, like, you can't kick them out no. of the class. No, so that I kind of miss. Yeah. I'm not able to do. Did not you, that I've had did to you deal with any of that? At Drexel? Yeah. Uh, no. No. Everybody was pretty nice to my face. <laughs> <laughs> Did you look up your rate my professor? I looked up the reviews. You know what's funny? I actually got like a ton of emails from kids or like even they came to talk to me afterwards saying that it was like their favorite class and they learned so much. And like I think I just got like a handful of a hand just a handful of people actually wrote in the reviews. There's only like one negative comment from like each yeah. section and it was just pre- it's funny because they think you can't tell who it is, but you've been studying their writing this entire time. You're like, I know exactly who wrote that. <laughs> I see you, motherfucker. Yeah, I see you. That's fine. And, you know, every time I was pretty sure it was from a kid who just, like, didn't want to take the class to begin with. Right. So, Well, that's I guess that's one of the things about it is because it's required. I Not really, everybody yeah. is just going down that path. It, it, you know? it does make it hard for... For, for professors doing it because I guess if I had like my way which is a fantasy <laughs> right. there'd be like a I do think every graduate should take that class because it's the it's the foundation of the entire industry like even if you don't want to be a songwriter you should at least walk through their shoes for like 10 weeks empathy that was the exact yes. word that Marcy Wagman said to me yes however when you have like all of these different levels or interests in one class you can't really like like there were some superstar writers i'd say Mm -hmm. like about a third of them were like the most incredible cool like i am rooting for them i'm fans immediately Mm -hmm. and they deserve to be challenged and like but then you have to make the challenges easy enough for the kids that don't know but you also like being a student who loves songwriting I'm like no I want I want to challenge them because that's you know what I mean something I'd benefit from right so if it were my way I would probably have like you have to take either one course you could take a beginning a beginner's course or like a little more advanced course right mm-hmm. do you remember thing about taking yeah. songwriting yeah I remember your class yeah I remember your class pretty vividly actually 
Well, it was like one of my favorite. It probably was like my favorite. That and like scoring a picture, my favorite classes. Mm-hmm. It's funny because uh, you were there at a time when I kind of felt like what you just said. There were like so many kick-ass writers mm-hmm. that I just immediately became, I'm going to pay attention to what this person does. Yeah. And you were one of those people. Yeah. And it was, you know, when I think back on it, it's so funny to me because, you know, you're taking this class in a band room. Yeah. Oh, the band room hasn't changed. Oh, it's the same. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, you and Chris Kissel, like, in the back row, every every class, you know. Forever like shy. <laughs> well, but almost like you're taking it all in. Like, I felt like the two of you were just, like, on such a... And you were thick as thieves, you know, like... We still are. Yeah. Well, to this day. Playing in a band for how many years now? Right? Over 10, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's that's a memory that I carry with oh, me. Oh, my God. Like, always, you know, like, just... And there's just certain people, and I, I can't... Like, who were your classmates? Oh, my that? God. So he... Um, um, Rich... Mancinelli. He wrote the oh, funniest Mancinelli. sex song ever. <laughs> it was like the sex, sex, sex. I can still sing it. Yes, I can still sing it. I remember like 15 that. 15 years later, I can still sing it. In fact, he played, <laughs> and he was in, he like played with June Divided. He was never like a, he right. just said, I will, I'll play for a while until you find like a, somebody to fill in. So he actually played, he was in our Bullet music video. Oh, our, right on. And he um, actually came back and played the song with us at our anniversary show. That's so year. cool. He's so, a great guy. Oh, I remember him. Oh, he's fantastic. I, we just love Rich. And we, like, when the whole lot of us t- are together, it's just like, it's it's like a comedy show. Like, it's just <laughs> so funny. Right. It's a lot of fart jokes. A lot of fart jokes. Well, that's, that's yeah. the musician's way. <laughs> I was actually... Uh, so I'm playing um, guitar uh, for my friends in Soraya Sor- this right. weekend. And uh, so lead singer sends out a band, like, you know, a thread with everybody yeah. on it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like, you know, very official. It's a Google Doc with yeah. the load in and all this. Uh, yeah. You know, people are, like, responding, thanks, this and that. You know, oh, can so-and-so borrow this? Mm-hmm. And, like, within, like, three minutes, the bass player... I'm going to eat a lot of deviled eggs right before we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a rule in our band, no Mexican. No Mexican before. And that's because of a very specific grape room show oh, that my no. drummer and bass player were both very guilty of. So, yeah, we have a rule. Yeah. Keith um, and Lenny, guilty. Keith and Lenny, guilty. So mm-hmm. we also have, because Lenny's been touring so much as a lighting designer, the original, um, and I don't think he got to take your class. I think he actually left the program before that. Um, mm-hmm. But the original, like the founding bass player of June Divide has been playing with us a lot. And he mastered our song. Oh, right on. Um, Dane Klein, who plays a lot with Matt Duke. Okay. So that's kind of the connection. Who you're doing a show with yeah, in January. I am doing a show I'm going to try to come to that. Oh, that's thank gonna you. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's just acoustic. And he's going to like, we're going to play some stuff off my upcoming record. Because he's on my upcoming record. And then I'm going to play some of his stuff with him. So it's kind of like a cool oh. little cool yeah. is that yeah very it's, nice it's fun yeah um were you pretty tight with matt back when he was at drexel or like a on mad, mad dragon Drag. yeah he didn't no, go to drexel he no. was the, the star of mad dragon yes um no i like i <laughs> i totally idolized him like i was like i think i saw him freshman year 
he played at Ross Commons and he did this like acoustic cover of Clarity by Jimmy Eat World and it's burned into my oh, brain. Oh my god. And, Wish I, mean, I could have seen that. You know his voice. I mean, I just remember like my like eighteen year old brain exploded. I was like, this guy's amazing. So like, I was not like close with him, but I like went to shows and I was just because I did, I was on the tech side of things. I didn't really do anything with the label. Got it. But I was very aware, and I was good friends with Dane, who played with him. So mm-hmm. um, I was very aware and always like you know so such a fan. So it's cool that we're. Um, I was on his record like cool. a couple years ago. Oh really? So yeah. I he, he put me on his um, uh, Phoenix album that he did. Nice. So I'm on like a couple tracks on that. Oh, that's that so really cool. cool. Yeah, that's really cool. In fact, I was just mixing um, a song that he's on. My, he's on two songs on my record. Oh, nice. Um, I was just mixing one <laughs> before I got here. Well, tell me about your new record. I mean, oh. is it stylistically a departure or yeah yeah um well thank you for asking i'm so glad you asked (laughs) thanks for bringing that up (laughs) i've been uh i've been working on it for a while it's kind of yeah getting chinese democracy (laughs) territory (laughs) like a year ago i was like new music coming soon (laughs) oh right Uh, yeah Um, i've i've learned to be like real sure if I'm going to yeah. say something like that. Like, um, nope, I've gone back on my word. Well, that was before I knew I was teaching at Drexel when I was like, right. hey, music coming soon. Um, but, um, so, kind of, like, I had a solo record out that I did with Chesky Records, mm-hmm. but that was like an all-acoustic live album. Their whole thing is they have the um, binaural microphone and they, like, arrange the musicians around it, which is, like, a great experience. It was fun, but, like, it wasn't you know, I'm like a studio kid who wants yeah. to make studio magic and fuck around and find out, you know? Yeah. But like, so it wasn't like, it was fun. It just was not the way I'd want to make a record. So this is like the first time I got, I mean, I've made records with Jake Biden, but this is the first time like I got to make my record and it's my record and I do what I want. And it's kind of nice. It. Yeah, it's very, it's like, yeah. So it, I mean, in all seriousness, and I mean it this time, it should be out in 2023. Like, it's it's pretty much done. We're at the mixing part. We're not far. It's, it's done. That's very exciting. Thank you. Now, are you recording everything just kind of like at home by yourself? Yep. Playing everything? Um, yeah, pretty much. I think. I love it. We, I think, I did guitar banjo mandolin a little bit of fiddle (laughs) have you played all these instruments in the past like i didn't know you played banjo i do now (laughs) i can do it i can do it a little bit yeah um and then a couple people we did have book a day um at um we booked a day at a studio with Keith, my drummer from June Divided. Mm-hmm. He did some drums to it. Dane did a track of bass. And then my husband did upright bass, some more bass. And he did some mandolin too. And then Matt's on it. A student of mine's on it. Her How cool. I know. So it's a... It's an all-star cast. It is. It's it's fun. And it means a lot. I think that, that means a lot when you have people on a record that you just like love and admire and stuff like that. Well, that's why I was just so like thrilled that you approached me about the so holiday nervous. song because, <laughs> I mean, it, I, obviously it came out of the blue from, from my perspective. So, uh, it came out of the blue for me too. <laughs> 
I was like, ah. but you know, like, that's something that, like, historically, I have not been, like, a big collaborator. Me neither. But I'm, like, embracing it so much more now. Me too. And I was just like, yes, this is great. Yeah. You know, I'm, sight unseen, I'm in. <laughs> that, th- thank you. I was like, oh gosh, I hope he likes it. <laughs> I love it. Thanks. I can't stop listening to it, actually. It, it really came out, like, so cute. And, like, I don't know. Like, it, like you said, it came out of the blue. It's totally... I'm the last person I think anybody would ever expect to write a holiday song. And that's kind of what the song is about mm-hmm. to begin with. Well, you, you indicated that yeah. you, 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 like me, may have had previous holidays in which you felt a little grinchy grinchy <laughs> yeah i mean hmm. i love giving gifts to people but like i stress myself out over it mm-hmm. it's all the stress it's all the traffic it's all the traveling and that can be kind of a bummer especially when you're not in a happy place in your life so i never really like liked the holidays and then I guess I'll just tell the story yeah during the holidays you know those like really jazzy Christmas songs like have yourself a merry little Christmas chestnuts like the Christmas song they've got these crazy dense chords I use those songs all the time to teach my students some like extra music theory because you can only learn so much when you're studying like your average pop song right so I had like a lot of those Christmas songs on the brain from like looking at like the diminished chords and like the you know all that stuff. And so, like the song says, I was decorating my little house mm-hmm. um, on Thanksgiving. My husband had to work Thanksgiving. I was kind of bummed about it. So I was gonna—I was decorating to, like, cheer him up or whatever. And then I, like, lit some incense, like some Christmas-smelling incense, and put on some music. And then I started Googling, like, bigger Christmas trees and bigger menorahs. And I was like, oh, wait, ew, do I like the holidays now? <laughs> and then I, like... It was I, a- it was a surprising revelation for you. I was like, wait, I'm enjoying this. This is awful. And then I had to think about it. And then I really thought about the past couple of years. And I was like, oh, my God. I actually like the holidays now. And then all of a sudden, it was like a light bulb moment. I was like, holy shit. That's awesome. Thanks. So how long did it take to write? Oh, it was one of those that came out in like Just five minutes. super fast? Yeah. Yeah. I had to get it like... I got the most, like, the bulk of it out. You know, like, the first draft of it out. And then mm-hmm. I had to get into my car and drive to Thanksgiving dinner where I was meeting my husband. <laughs> and so, like, with this was, tune in your head yeah, the whole so I was, time. Like, driving there, like, coming up with the second verse. And then I was like, as soon as I wrote the second verse, I was like, oh, this is a duet. And I know exactly who I have to reach out to. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's just an honor. It just honestly, it sounded like something. You, like you said it to me. Like when you listen to it, you said something like it's it's very classic. Yeah. And there's something about your voice that's so classic, and it, like that's exactly what I like. I was like, yes, Thank that's you. why I heard you on it. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm excited too. And it was the I'm the last person to last person to do a holiday song, but here I am. <laughs> here you are. Yeah. I mean, actually, the past maybe two or three years. I've, I've adopted sort of a minimalist attitude okay. about life in general. Okay, love and it. So, and so, I don't have a, like a big family to shop for or whatever right. around the holidays, but it, like, it really started to feel like I'm just buying this fucking thing, thing. that mm-hmm. is not really that meaningful and, you know, they may or may not like it. I don't know. 
So I just started like recording songs specifically to like give people over the holidays. Oh, that's awesome. You know? So like I have like a couple of recordings of me doing holiday songs oh, that so cool. like have never seen the light of day other than I send them to people for the holidays, you know. Yeah. Are they originals or are they covers? Mm-mm, they're covers. I did like an a cappella arrangement oh, cool. of like Blue Christmas last year. Oh, sick. Such a good one. Um, you know, and I think the year before, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. That's that's my favorite one. That's one of my favorite ones too. And it's but there's something about it that's also like got a tinge of melancholy mm-hmm. to it. Which mm-hmm. it just it just gets me. Every I love time. melancholy. Yeah. My record's all sad girl stuff. Sad girl Sally. <laughs> it's all sad. Well love it. Hey, you gotta you gotta get that stuff out. Yeah. You know? I, it's coming. <laughs> this time for real. For real this time. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Um do you have any albums coming out? Am I allowed to ask? You're allowed to ask. <laughs> Well, I have been quietly stockpiling songs like since pretty much 2020 on. Yeah. And I have, I did, you know, I put out that song Orbit last year. Right, so good. And thank you. And then this year, I was like so focused on getting my book done and getting it yeah. ready to be published that I wasn't going to put out any music at all right. and then the um, collaboration I did with Shug Daniels also so good thank you um, came up like we wrote that song in May okay. and you know I had a little bit of time over the summer because what happened was I had some downtime because my book was like out of my hands it was like yeah. being edited or, yeah. or copy edited or you know and it was less pressure day to day so right. I was like oh, shit, I'm going to produce this song nice. and just, like, get it happening. The best recordings just happen. That was, like, quickly. that was, like, the song that yeah. we did. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. Yeah. So, other than that, I do have, you know, at least a solid EP's worth of songs that are kind of tracked. Oh, wow. One of them is completely mixed and mastered. A couple of the other ones are in a state of mix that is incomplete. Um, and so now I'm kind of, I'm trying to decide what is best in terms of like how I, how I roll it out because I know for a fact that my book is coming out in April and do I want to divert my or anyone who gives a crap about what I do's focus between now and then with, okay, here's a, so here's another song. I really right. want to just get everybody like hyper focused on on this, one thing at on a this time. Book. Yeah. yeah, I literally tracked the audio book in like four days last week. Okay, and reading through the whole thing, I'm like, wow. I personally think it's it's very good, but it's also like, man, I am really just laying it all. You're laying it, yeah. And I'm like, because it's a memoir, right? Yeah. It's just, oh my god. It's and amazing. I'm just like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know. Do you ever feel that way with your own songs, though? Do you ever feel like you like lay it all out with your own songs? I do. Yeah. But and I was thinking about this a lot. It's a different feeling when you know whatever emotions you're laying bare in a song also have these other elements, like That's true. the music. There's different things that people can kind of like grasp onto if they don't mm. 
necessarily dive into the deep emotional right. pit that exists in the song. Right. But with this, I'm reading it into a microphone, and it's that's all there is. And there's no there's no like blanket or there's no like metaphors you can kind of like dive under. Yeah, yeah like no, there's, it's, it's just this oh is <laughs> what happened. Oh shit! In some ways, like it's funny to me because, like, I approached it in such a naive way. Yeah. Well, I don't. I never wrote a book. I need to learn how to do it. So I either read or listened to over thirty memoirs in like a one. One and a half year period. That's awesome. All different kinds, not just musician ones. It was important to like not have it all be musician ones because even though I'm a musician, like I'm I'm coming at this from a whole different perspective than you know whoever you know Keith Richards. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, people know who he is. Yeah. Like I had to make sure that I wrote it for the person who has no clue Ooh. who I am or what I've done. So. I just like immersed myself in all these books, and one of the things that came up in the course of that was uh, one of the authors said that the best piece of advice she had ever received was take no care for your own dignity. <laughs> huh? <laughs> which, that's really which means funny. <laughs> you can't sugarcoat stuff. If you're the asshole yeah. in a given scenario, you have to you have make to it clear. Own it. Yeah. You have to own it. Yeah. It's just a different feeling. Feeling. To know that if somebody actually reads this whole thing, they're gonna know it all. They're gonna. They're gonna. Yeah. Well, maybe not all, but more Most, than yeah. they ever bargained for. <laughs> wow. Actually, that's like good advice to give on any artistic level, though, because. Yeah. If you're if you're going for the honest kind of art, like if it's complete pure fantasy, then whatever. But I tell that in some way, shape, or form, I tell that I, I do talk about dignity with my vocal students because sometimes they're afraid to like go for the high notes. What if I crack? And I'm like, you just have to leave your dignity at the door. Like mm -hmm. you're gonna to make a lot of good sounds, you have to make a lot of bad sounds. <laughs> Learning yeah. how to make those good sounds, mm -hmm. so you can't be afraid of sounding like a fool because you probably will but then you're gonna sound really good and I also say that to like my songwriting students too they'll say to me like I'm afraid to put this detail in the song it feels too personal I'm like all right as an artist like purely talking about the art do you want that detail in the song they're like yeah I'm like you gotta let it go you just gotta right. you gotta do it it's good yeah. advice no I I think you hit the nail on the head for any songwriter it's that breakthrough moment when they're willing to do that that just turns their whole yep. writing style into, yep. into who they are, you know? Yeah. I mean, I struggled with that for a really long time. Yeah. I think the first 10 years I wrote songs, I wasn't really Being, okay. willing, I think, tapped in in that way. Right. That's, my, I mean, my record is, I mean, I don't think everything I've ever written has always been super shrouded in mystery, but this record is very... Um, I mean, there's plenty of metaphors and whatever, but it's pretty honest. Yeah. It's it's definitely pretty honest. It's like a snapshot of my life up until now. Not because I think anybody cares, but it was just things I had to say and leave somewhere. <laughs> it kind of feels good. Like, you're like, all right, I have this, and I'm leaving it here for me now, right. and here's where it lives. But that's, that's, that's the best motivation yeah. to make something artistic. It's yeah. not, you know, it has to be for you. Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost. And I think if you're willing to go there... There's going to be somebody out in the world that relates. 
Do you know who gave me this advice first? Well, it's kind of, we're getting, like, kind of. It was, um, it was Jerry Smith, who was your another, teacher. And another person we have in common. My teacher. And she said to me, God, I must have been, like, 13 or 12 or somewhere between 12 or 14. I think I brought her, like, my first song. And she said to me, you know, she complimented me on my lyrics. And she said, you know, a good song is universal yet unique to you and that like i tell everybody i teach that like mm-hmm. a good song is universal where people can relate to it but it's because like every story has been told at this point yeah like every story in human history has been told at this point so like you're not telling a brand new story but your unique perspective and your unique experience that's what makes it true to you but the universal message is should reach a lot of people yeah. or can reach a lot of people and right. that's really cool like, no matter how obscure your lyrics are or how truthful and like honest your lyrics are it's a universal thing if someone can relate to it but it also needs to be like uniquely from your perspective those are like my favorite kinds of songs yeah. yeah Jerry Smith I know Sage I know <laughs> She came out to my ladybug set down in Milford. Oh, no way. I literally was like just cruising in, didn't I mean I figured it was it was like the first go with these songs. I played a couple of my songs off my record just to kind of test drive them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, whatever, like it'll be fun. And she shows up and I'm so glad to see her, but I'm also like so nervous all of a sudden. I'm like, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm like, now I'm scared. I would be nervous as fuck if Jerry Smith showed up to hear me. Because, like, I can't keep emphasizing enough, like, how she just changed my whole viewpoint as a singer. I mean, you were, like, a teenager when she taught you. I was was in my probably, like, mid-20s. I don't think that I was always, like, a natural singer. Like, I didn't... Really? I didn't... That wasn't even my goal when I started. I wanted to be wow. the drummer in a rock band. That's all oh, I shit. cared about. And it, it just kind of came about because, you know, I had to sing backup vocals. And over time, I just was, like, louder than our yeah. lead singer. <laughs> it finds you like that. Mm-hmm. At the start of June Divided, I was looking for a lead singer. Really? Mm-hmm. That so- shocks me. I-, I was too scared. Wow. So I, I relate. Again, I oh relate. It just kind of finds you. Like, mm-hmm. it just sucks you out. Like, you're just like, up, oh, you. You're the one. And you're like, ah, okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah? Did you seriously, like, audition anyone? Or? No. I think by the time the demos kind of started coming together, and by the time we found Keith on Craigslist, by the way. Um, Excellent. It had, it had just kind of become pretty apparent that it was just going to be me. Mm-hmm. You know, all right. <laughs> I guess I better just do this. <laughs> yeah, which I'm so glad I did. I was never a natural front person. I am super shy. I, like, get nervous all mm. the time. I've never worked past. I mean, like, I've gotten better with stage fright. Like, when you're on tour, it gets less scary because you do it every night. Like, fourth, fifth right. night of the tour, you're like, whatever, I don't care anymore. Yeah. But, um, no, it's hard for me. I get really nervous. I get super nervous. <laughs> Trust that you have a great instrument to back you up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Same. I mean, that's wild. We have lots. That's another thing we got. I know. Yeah. So you you started seeing you started um, working with Jerry in your twenties. Yeah, I was. Cool. 
I don't know if... I can't remember if the Caulfields had formed yet. Like, we were all in a band together prior to that, but it was a different kind of band because that was more of a three-set show, half covers, half originals kind of situation. (laughs) And I honestly, I I think I started going to her because I was, like, losing my voice all the time. Because I just... I mean, we were we were doing like fifteen shows a month, like three oh, set shit. type things, mm-hmm. and it was, you know, probably an issue. Yeah, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, so she, I mean, she taught me so much about that stuff, but but I don't know, like. And you tell me, like, do you feel like over time your voice feels like it sounds more like you? Absolutely, a million percent. I tell my students that that's what they have to look forward to all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. yeah. If you're using it, if you're working on it, I mean, it doesn't just magically come. If you're using it and you're working on it, and then it comes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you feel like you, like when you first started singing, you were maybe more a product of, like, the people you listen to as like oh yeah singers I, think, and... I think everyone is like that a little yeah. bit for sure so who, I, were, who were your people oh my god well like if you're talking like okay so i went to jerry when i was like 10 or 11 for piano lessons so she taught me classical piano from then until i went off to college which i continued to study at drexel so i'm actually oh. a classical pianist um another thing many talents Mel. Yeah. Uh, and then I started doing singing with her because I got into Cap Calloway School of the Arts for voice for high school. In Wilmington. In Wilmington, yeah. yeah. It was so cool. I got one of my students into their middle school. Like, I helped her. Well, she got herself in, but I helped her with her uh, audition. Um, and I was, like, so proud. I was like, oh, yeah. Nice. Um, so that's when I started studying more voice with her. And then, like, the songwriting just kind of started showing up probably mm-hmm. in my preteen or early teen years. Um so back then, so funny you ask, because I was listening to them on my way here, um, you know, like the queens, like the singer-songwriter queens of like the early 2000s, like Michelle Branch, Vanessa Carlton, oh, Cheryl yes. Crow, like oh, my Alanis Morissette, <laughs> yes. I'm such a uh, Michelle Branch advocate. Oh my God, I'm just, <laughs> like biggest fan ever, like, oh my God. <laughs> So good. Yeah. Oh my God. So good. I was listening to her on the way here. Nice. Um, so that was kind of that. And then, like in high school, I started getting more into like some rock. I got into like Goo Goo Dolls and like um, Jimmy World. Still, I love Jimmy World. Mm-hmm. Still to this day. Um, I'm so, so I got into sad girl stuff now. I'm uh-huh. in like super sad, folksy. I'm definitely like my record is more like sad girl alt pop and like modern folk kind of stuff so I kind of have kind of gone off on that Mm -hmm. and um but yeah I think your voice does tend to adapt to who you listen to but once you get older and the more because the older you get the more influences you start pulling in so you get to you're introduced to more things Mm -hmm. and then you start picking and choosing little things that you like from that you've heard people do or that you admire and then you kind of find what your voice does best and then it's all of a sudden like a product of your very own. Yes. That makes total sense. And I think when you're young it's like that's where you get the validation from is like somebody will be like oh you sound like so and so. Until it's a problem. Right. Until it's a problem. Exactly. Um, So I think for me like it, it was definitely that. Like I was always kind of like a pretty good 
and mimic. Yeah. So I could, I could sound like the person on the cover songs that we were doing. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of how I approached it for the first while. Honestly, there's nothing wrong with that's literally what I do on the side. I do voiceover work, mm-hmm. and it's mainly just impressions. Yeah. Oh, well, that's yeah. I think it's a great skill to have. It's a great skill to have. You, you know, can learn a lot about your voice too. Exactly, because you then learn like the mechanics of making certain sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is super helpful. Oh yeah, I do. I've learned so much about like vocal placement. Even this was stuff I studied a while ago. Like I've learned about vocal placement and like all kinds of like pronunciation tricks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Really cool. And I've been able to teach it to my students, which is really cool. That's great. Um, but. Yeah, it's it's cool until it's a problem, and for my <laughs> band, it was a problem just because it was a product of the it, like the scene that we were in and the that it was a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you approach the problem? I mean, I didn't really approach. It was more just like I had to deal with it. Right. You know, like coming from the warp tour scene. I mean, I don't care. I'll go on record and say it. It was not kind to women. Like, yeah. at all. Uh-huh. I was one of, like, a few bands with a female singer on the tour. Really? And we would do press. And this was, like, your God, when was this? This is, like, 2012, maybe. We would do, like, press every morning on the tour, and it was always, like, how do you feel about being compared to Paramore? And I'm, like, you're asking every woman here that same question. Right. And the, here's the kicker. There was no nice way to answer it. Like, if I said, oh, that's, like, a compliment. They're a great band. Thank you. Then it would be, like, ooh, you trying to copy her? And if I'm, like, (laughs) and then if I was, like, because I tried to answer both ways to see if it would work any different, and then I'd be, like, well, you know, I definitely think we're, like, our own thing, you know, whoever, you know, and it was, like, oh, so you don't like her. Uh Uh-oh, cat fight. (laughs) And I was, like, there's literally no way. You are damned if you do. (laughs) I was, like, all right, that's when I started realizing. I was, like, this is completely set up against women. I hate this. Right. Yeah, that had to have been. Oh, it's horrible. A mess. <laughs> it's horrible. It's horrible. And like every other woman on the tour, it all, the, all five of us, because there was not many of us, right. we're getting the same question. That's when I started taking it less personally, and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. it's just a. It's we have boobs, so that's the only question. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> They're an amazing band too. Like you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. it's, you're like okay, thanks. Do you have another question for me? Right. <laughs> Did you see their most recent SNL appearance? No, I didn't. They have a new, I guess it's a new album or something, and I haven't heard the whole record. I haven't. I saw a little, like it, a clip of the song. It was, it's like, awesome. their performance on SNL was I'm like, sure it holy was. fuck. I'm sure it was. Still got it and more. Yeah. The more ancient I become, the more I get inspired by artists who have, like, been around. Mm-hmm. And are still doing it. doing it at a, not just doing it, but doing it at a high level. Yeah, that's like so inspiring to me because that's that's kind of how I want to be. I don't want to ever be perceived as, oh, when is this guy gonna just go away? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I well, you know, because you my said- attitude is the whole, you mm-hmm. know. You'll pry it from my cold, dead, dead hand. hand. Well, you said it. You said it on... You did, like, a little clip of you reading your audiobook, and you said, like, a lifer. Uh-huh. I'm a <laughs> yeah. lifer. I'm and a it lifer. was so awesome. I was like, that's the word. It's, it's And you know what? What a life to choose <laughs> or to fall into or however you want to describe it. Like, it's a tough one. 
Well, after a certain point, it absolutely is a choice. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's not. I don't know. Like, See, I feel like I'm too far in to get out at this to, point. Right. Oh, anyway, you please. feel like, well, what's the alternative? Well, you know, it's so funny, and I don't care if they hear this. I hope they hear it. I have, like, some extended family that always, they they're, they do other jobs, and they don't really get the artistic right. thing. And it's like, I get this from them. I was just at a wedding, and so I got from them. You still doing the music thing? <laughs> the music and thing, like, yes. Do they expect me to go, no, you know what? Didn't you hear? I'm a brain surgeon now. <laughs> I totally just went to medical school. Like, what do they think I'm going to say? And this is obviously not in judgment of people who don't live this life. Yeah, but, no. like, it really can't be fully understood no. by people who don't do absolutely it. Absolutely not. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think this thing, it's like, you don't have to understand it, but don't <laughs> don't talk to me like I'm a teenager working on a mall kiosk. But no, it's impossible to understand. It's absolutely right. impossible to understand. I think that's why I married a musician is because mm -hmm. I, he understands, he, you know? You gotta, the person has to get it, yeah. Like, I can't imagine being married to, like, a non-musician. Hmm. Um, even though, you know, the cool thing is we're so different. He's like a prog rock, like he loves Rush and Tool. And he took me to a Tool concert. I was like, okay, <laughs> amazing, but also, okay. And I'm, and I'm sitting here crying to Phoebe Bridgers on the other side of the room. Like, we really couldn't be any different. <laughs> but it's fun. I mean, on some things we can kind of like get into the same groove. Like he did like, um, he did his fretless bass on... This, one of the songs I did with Matt and it's very kind of like Goo Goo Dolls Iris kind of inspired mm -hmm. so we did like the, a lot of like the sliding kind of cool bass line so he, we were able to get on like that level together that's it's cool. funny I showed him the, the song he's gonna be so pissed at me <laughs> he, goes, he didn't realize it was the master like it was the master it was done okay and he's like I mean you could have used more leading tones in the bass <laughs> I was like, listen, bass players are gonna bass play, Melissa. Come on. And then I was like, this is the finished project, and I wrote it for you. And he was like, oh, um, I mean, it's amazing. That is hilarious. And I was like, this is why I don't write romantic, happy songs. Mm. Yeah. He loves it though. He was. That's, he loved it. that's the best. That's so great. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Could have been more leading tones in the band. But thanks. <laughs> So when it's done, it'll have. <laughs> yeah, like it's this is it, Jeff. This is the master. It's the fastest turnaround time in the in the history of music. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. How you can write a song, cut it, text some dude yeah. that you know. <laughs> hey, you want to sing on this? Yeah. And within a week. It's, it's a thing. Yeah. I love that I about love this, you know. I mean, that's the way it should work. I mean, if both parties, like, know what they're doing and, uh -huh. like, there's communication. You know, hey, the BPM is this, the key. Okay, okay, you yeah. know. Yeah. So no one's stuck trying to figure something out and it's just easy. No, it's amazing. Oh, I feel so lucky to live in a time where, like, you know, you can just sit down and get the art out, you know. It, it's great. Yeah. I had so much fun, like... And if I describe the situation and the setting, it doesn't inherently sound fun. Because I was like, like when I record vocals at home, it's in my closet. It's the only dead room in the house. Oh, wow. It's the only room with carpeting. Oh. Because okay. I used to have carpeting in the whole apartment. And then my 
washing machine overflowed, and I had they had to rip everything out and just give me like a floor. Okay. But they left my closet intact because it wasn't affected. I was like, ah, oh. nice vocal booth. There you go. But <laughs> it's just so funny. Like if I ha I wish I had like one of those uh, you know MTV real world like just hidden cameras in my closet that would just like you know give me like surveillance footage of everything I do in there. Because at a certain point, I became conscious of the fact that I was like, I'm literally like on my knees in this closet, <laughs> listening to like every nuance of your voice to make sure I got the harmonies like locked in as best as I could. They were perfect. And I'm like crouching over like, a, like I don't even know what I looked like. But, you know, if anyone just sort of like saw a snapshot of that, they'd be like, what is that oh, guy you doing? Should, you should see my studio room. I have a little home office. It's like a studio. When I cut something, it all, it's so, I de decorated it real cute, but when I'm cutting something for myself, it's, everything's everywhere. I take the end table, move it here so I can put the mic stand on, then I grab the banjo and I throw it over there, and I can do this, it's a nightmare. I deliberately keep my apartment extremely sparse so that if I need to just move stuff around yeah. really quick. Yeah. I think that's why I was kneeling in there is because I had like a, like a little desk thing it's not that big. It's about as smaller than this table that I just sort of, you know, I need something to put the laptop on right. and put the interface mm -hmm. on. Right. So I had it in there for a while and I was like, there's not a lot of room in here. Oh God. <laughs> you should see what I use for jingle bells. It's this little like toy, like tambourine stick. Oh. And I was just like, ching, ching. Is that what that ching, was? Ching. <laughs> I love stupid. it. I was like, should I get better jingle bells? I was like, I kind of like that they're shitty. <laughs> I think that there is something so fun about being creative with what you have lying around mm -hmm. in your house. Like yeah. one of the things that I'm so proud of with um, Lightning in a Bottle, the song I did yeah. with Shug, is that, so I have gone on record as saying, I love Logic drums. I just do. <laughs> Now, when I program, it's extremely painstaking so that it's, it sounds as close to like a real... When you mean Logic drums, do you mean like the ones that come with Logic? Mm -hmm. Or do you mean like the Stephen Slate ones that you buy and put No. In? I, oh, I, you mean I've the never, base? I've never no, bought okay. like outside Okay, so you're not fucking anything. with the Stephen Slate like stuff. It's just a Logic plug-in drum. <laughs> right, but I mean, they have like... They do have a lot of good stuff. 18 they, kits, They, they do know? have a lot of good I mean, stuff, yeah. But like, it was the first time I ever used like the Ringo kit. So it's just like the deadest yeah. snare drum in the world, yeah. which I'm like, oh, that's cool. So, so I basically just had like a kick and snare thing. And it's, you know, if you've heard the song, it's minimalist drums. Yeah. And I was like, this needs a hi-hat or something. But like, that's, that's the Achilles heel of Logic drums. Is yes, like the their symbols are, are not good. Yeah. So I was like, I gotta do something. So I, I found these old pair of like brushes that I had. So and I actually just like put my mic on my dresser, which is one of those flat ones. So it's not a tall, it's, yeah. it's like a low dresser thing. And I just like. Nice. Against like a wooden dresser. And it sounds like a hi hat. Like a hi hat. And I'm just like, oh, this is. It just makes it so much more fun. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh, you, yeah. like you made something that's like so homemade mm -hmm. and yet, you know, it's on the radio. It's, yeah. it's, it's all really these, cool. all these things. And I'm just like, that is just the coolest thing. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. It's really, really cool. And I never thought I would become <laughs> that guy. Oh, really? You know, like I, I was always 
for better or worse, like I like being in a band, and I liked that collab. Not even the collab, just like being together with people. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, mind you, I would still want to be a dictator in that situation. <laughs> okay, all right. You just want them there. <laughs> but I want them there to, you know, for fart jokes and what have you. Mm -hmm. And and you know. There's something about like the personalities of like four to five different people that like mm -hmm. makes a certain thing. Yes. But when it's just all you, I mean, there's pros and cons, but like yes. for me, like the pros are, I can just get as weird, weird as yeah. I want. Yeah. And it has really led to me making some music that I, I absolutely wouldn't have made if I was in that band yeah. structure. I think and I love that. I think it's such a like very special thing to and like a lucky thing to be able to do both. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is great with like June divided like. I mean, again, the dictator thing. Like sometimes I'm like, I'm doing this, 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 this. But I mean, to their credit, I mean, they come up with amazing things. And even if it's like something I originally did, they'll do something like. I'll give Keith a drum idea and he'll be like, okay, but then he'll do something like way cooler. Mm -hmm. We're all like barely make it through a solo and then Chris will be like, you mean like this? I'm like, oh, so, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I like um, that. <laughs> and and they also like help with like some of your worst tendencies because too much of you is a bad thing too. Like, mm -hmm. so they've all been pretty, well, mainly like Keith, Chris, and Dane have been pretty involved with my record, especially Chris. Keith played on it, but Chris and Dane have been like, Chris is mixing it. Dane's been giving some mix notes. Like, I think he might be mastering it. I'm not sure. So they're kind of working on mixes and stuff together. And they'll always be like, Melissa, um, there's 60 vocal tracks. Something's got to go. <laughs> Or like, you know, the vocals are so loud, like, you got to turn it down, man, you know. So, they're definitely like, there is a song with 60 vocal tracks. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can't wait to and hear that staying. one. they're staying. They're um, staying. <laughs> yeah, it's, so they'll definitely kind of keep your worst tendencies in check. And it can be very lonely. Like, I'm the person that loves to shut myself away and just work on my own thing by myself makes me so happy but it is kind of like you get lonely by yourself after a while you're like you know what and then you start to did you ever watch Parks and Rec a few times yeah there's a part so do you know Adam Scott's character he basically loses his job and he gets really depressed and so he spends like all of his free time like making this like little claymation video and he gets so excited to show it to everybody and it's like a two second clip and he's like Wait, I've worked forever. I'll just throw this away. <laughs> this is garbage. Like, do you ever get like I get like that? Like, I'm like, I've worked forever on this. Is this anything at all? <laughs> That's like the story of everything I ever create. Like, right? is this a thing? Is this a I thing? Used to, it's funny because I, you know, like I told you, I was been reading through my audiobook, and one of the one of the things that I would always do when I was first starting out as an, a creative person was I would play my songs for my mom, who was a, a Korean immigrant. She never had any foundation in Western music at all. So I would be like going to her, what do you think? You know, like, and then her response to me would be like, oh, is that good? <laughs> is that good? <laughs> oh, no. oh my God. And, it's, and I think that that was like a, 
a blueprint for how I would always kind of like feel about anything I ever wrote or did. Is like, good. is this a, is this good or is this even a thing? Is this like good? Yeah. I literally sent our song to Chris and my sister, who's not even like a musician, and I was like, "Hey, can you tell me if this is like the dumbest thing I've ever done? I'm about to text somebody <laughs> to ask them to do this." Oh, that's great. It must be great for you to have that relationship with the guys in June Divided where like you can be in a band and yet they can also be like intimately involved with like something that you're doing that's not the band I mean if they're not sick of me I mean good for them <laughs> I mean I think that's pretty cool I, I always tell them I'm like you know if you don't want to be involved with more of my shenanigans like I don't have to rope <laughs> you and you can just say Melissa not this time but so I am it's great for me like I'm so lucky that they're not like alright Melissa we've had enough of you <laughs> enough of me. need a break <laughs> um, and but you know what? They're all such creative dudes, and they all have yeah. their own thing. It was you know I read an interview, um, R.I.P. Chris, Christine McVie talking about mm-hmm. the same thing with Fleetwood Mac. How they all are individual musicians, and when they come together, they make this one thing. But then they do all this other stuff themselves. And like you know, Keith was in a country cover band for a while, and then he he's always making things he made this like amazing cigar truck that you can like run out for like fashion it was so cool he's (laughs) just always doing like the coolest stuff and then lenny's off on tour dane is always playing music somewhere doing something and chris is like doing his own mixing and producing with artists too and i'm doing my own mixing and producing artists as well and co-writing with people so it's really cool that we can always like you have that separate thing but then when you come back together it's like all right time to do our thing now mm-hmm. it's very cool and it's lovely that we're like you know chris will do a mix and he'll send it to me be like what do you think of this mix yeah. he's a much better mixer than i am but i'm like oh, that sounds good you know um <laughs> well you trust each other oh yeah which is yeah. great it's yeah. lovely it is lovely <laughs> it's great and you know it's cool that like everyone's kind of involved like everybody what's cool about getting older together is that your family grows so like mm-hmm. um i'm married Chris is married. Uh, Keith is getting married. Um, so your family grows. And, like, Lenny's girlfriend's great. Um, Dean's girlfriend is amazing. So, like, your family really starts to grow. It's, like, mm-hmm. really cool. And Lauren will give her a pin. Like, Chris's wife, Lauren, is great with opinions. She loves music. She has so many cool um, thoughts on stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's really cool to, like, see your family grow. It's, it's lovely. Really- it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Like, our, our anniversary show is just, like, it's all my favorite people. Really cool. Speaking of your family, yeah. your dad oh, shit. <laughs> came to my show. I know, with the I was so jealous. The other week. I was so pissed. I wanted to go. And I mean, well, that's where I get it from. My dad is a musician. I mean, he plays mm-hmm. guitar, he sings, he taught me my first couple of guitar chords. He's always been very involved. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, it's very lucky. I think, like, yeah. I always tell, like, my students when they're like, oh, my mom's annoying, she wants me to sing. I'm like, hey, like, right now it's annoying, but when you get older, you're going to see your other friends who are musicians have parents who don't get it and don't support it. Right. Um, Everyone in my, like, immediate... And you will feel lucky. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. everyone in my immediate family is, like, so supportive. Um, I wrote my brother's wedding song for him. I wrote my sister's wedding song. And, like, another very close friend of the family's wedding song. It's starting to be a thing that people are asking me to do. I guess I'll write you a wedding song. But don't worry, I'll get you a a gift worth money, too. (laughs) (laughs) Now, your your dad's a tennis coach also? Yeah, tennis coach. Coach Lou. 
That's so great. It is great, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a very beloved coach. <laughs> right. And it's cool because, like, he kind of runs his own thing, so I'm able to ask him, you know, with, like, my private lessons, I'm able to mm-hmm. ask him because, you know, you're an independent contractor, so you're able right. to, like, it's nice to get advice from him. About There's an entrepreneurial thing, so. yeah. Yeah. thread. He definitely has, like, good advice, and so that's cool. That's awesome. He also has a lot of advice about music, too. <laughs> Specific advice? Oh, yeah. There's like been what? A, oh, God. Dad, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know. Like, you, know, you should use a drum shield at this venue and get, like, a backup singer. <laughs> use a drum shield. <laughs> All right. There's a lot of lot of bleed off those yeah. drums. Oh, okay, Dad. I love that he calls you Missy. Oh my god, no, you can't say that. <laughs> I just said it. Nobody alright, here's the thing. Nobody is ever calling me that unless you are unless you changed my diapers or were present when you were changing my di- when someone was changing my diapers. My own husband doesn't call me that. Oh, that's hilarious. Alright. Yeah. Well, you're, that's a you're, that's a family name. Your Achilles heel is safe with me. Yeah, it's a fa- it's a, it's one of those things that like it just feels weird hearing anybody else call me that. And I'll correct people. I'll be mm-hmm. like, the one time I didn't, we, when I did my, I'll just tell story. When I did my solo record, it was like that live, like my first solo record mm-hmm. with Jeske Records. It was like a live recording and the owner of the label was there. And like, <laughs> my sister came with me to kind of be like my assistant for the day. She would like, you know, because it was like a live record. We're cutting 10 songs in one day. Yeah, you need it was wild. Some help there. Yeah. yeah. Um, Chris and Keith were on that right. They played with me too. Um, but my sister came with me as like an assistant. Mm-hmm. And I guess the owner of the label overheard her calling me Missy. And he started calling me Missy. Oh. And I never corrected him. And I, to this day, oh, no. I like kill myself over it. I'm like, it's so messed up because I feel like it's like such a little girl that like like I introduced right. myself as Melissa. You signed right. me as Melissa. I was like, dude. Oh my god. I feel god. good getting that story off my chest. That's been bothering me for years. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we do here. And like it's funny because Chris and Keith's faces when he started calling me Missy through the talk back, I just remember seeing Chris and Keith go. <laughs> and I was like. It's fine. I just gotta get through this. It's fine. Everything's fine. Now, now I probably would have been like, "Please don't call me." I was like a scared younger person back then. It's like, I guess I'll just deal with it. Well, isn't that part of coming into your own? Is that you learn to speak up for yourself? Yes, big time. I mean, big time. Uh, again, another huge struggle for me yeah. for the longest time, even through, especially when the call fields were signed. We were always kind of in that scared deer in the headlights mode where you're like, well, if you if you say anything, if you say anything, they're going to, you know, it's going to be bad. Yeah. Whatever, whatever that consequence may be. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'm not one to second guess things with too much regret, but like there's definitely points that I can you know, say in that journey where I was like, should have said, so- said something. Oh, you know? and you know what? I, I told, I told the, I told the, my last class at Drexel this, I said, I was like, you know, there's really not, you're going to hear professors say this all four years that you're here. Like, don't undersell yourself or stick up for yourself. You know, it's a rough business, but nothing, no matter what we say, it can't, they can't prepare you for it. Because, mm. like, you are like a deer in the headlights in those moments. I am terrible to this day. So, like, 
I'm definitely too soft for this. <laughs> like I'm just no. I'm. It's it's really hard. Um, but you get better at it as you get older. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you just get tired of having that moment where you're like. Yeah. Mm, I should have said yeah. something. Or you like can see it coming now. You know, hindsight's mm -hmm. twenty twenty. You're like, oh, I remember this feeling. I remember how I felt during. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It takes a lot of like self advocacy <laughs> to like. Yeah. It's a huge but, thing. But yes, nobody call me Missy ever. I will not respond to you. Right. I will curse your name behind <laughs> your back and to your face. Or to your face. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. I'm ballsy now. To your face. All right. I love it. I love it. Big thanks to my friend Melissa Manego for a great conversation at the Springfield Diner in Springfield, PA. The time just flew by, just flew by, until, of course, we had to return to her car and uh, wait around for AAA to come out and change her tire. Um, to be honest, I wish I wished we were still mic'd up for that part of the conversation because there was so much more to talk about, including her brilliant idea for a new show segment called The Stuff Musicians Keep in the Trunk of Their Car. It was much more clever when she said it. But either way, that's a discussion for another time. In the meanwhilest, don't forget to check out our new collab single, I Never Liked the Holidays Before I Met You, coming out on December 16th. Check it out. And don't forget to come back next year in 2023. Uh, I can't wait to share more conversations with you guys. My name is John Kim Fay, and this is Talking at the Diner. Talking at the Diner.